So, John chapter 9. This guy is blind. That's kind of worse than a little bit of rain. This guy is blind. And, and the disciples of Jesus come up to Jesus and said, Hey, Jesus, who, who sinned that this man was born blind? Was it him or his parents? And Jesus looks at him and said, Neither. It was his uncle. <laughs> Neither, but that the glory of God may be revealed. There is evil in the world. I don't have all the answers. I'm frustrated to understand why a good God still allows bad things. I am frustrated why sin still is pervasive. And when I watch the news and I look at what things happen, but one thing that I am totally assured of, He's a good, good father. Amen. That's Amen. who he is. That's who he is. And I and you are loved by him. That's who we are. And any other theology than that is not true. It is not from the word of God. So, so let's just make sure we... Okay, maybe God doesn't love me now if that's going to happen. <laughs> but besides that, all right? But this is it. God is good. Amen? Amen. Let's start with a word of prayer. God, this isn't a way I, I've planned it. And honestly, in your sovereignty, you rule over all. But I don't think this was your perfect plan. But you are so amazing that when Joseph gets sold to Egypt, you turn it around for good. You're so amazing that when evil prevails, you're even bigger. And so, God, I pray, if nothing else, that that would be in our spirits today, that you are bigger than whatever's going on. So may that happen, and God, you do know who's supposed to be here for this. And I do pray that you would work through it. And uh, may this sound system work tonight, even if you love us, if it didn't. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Yeah. Hey, I don't know if you know this, um, but I wrote a book. Now, some of you may be saying, big deal, but you don't know, no, this is a big deal. <laughs> You gotta understand something. My daughter, uh, Joyelle, in high school, had the same teacher I did when I was in high school. <laughs> Let me just tell you, he was just ready to retire, okay? <laughs> but my daughter did a book report on my book. And <laughs> the teacher said, your dad wrote a book? <laughs> and <laughs> my daughter, who's kind of like, still like, oh, you know, my dad, she's like, well, yeah, why? And the teacher goes, that's amazing. <laughs> and my daughter's like, well, why is that amazing? And the teacher said, because when he was in school, he didn't even read a book. <laughs> That's not funny. <laughs> I really I read the back covers, or I talked to some pretty girls who I had to pay to talk to me. But anyways, that's how, I, that's literally, I never read a book in high school. And now I've written one. But I think I must have titled it wrong because it's called Grace. This one's called Grace. We have, actually, we have five in here now. But when I wrote Grace, I must have named it wrong because I thought, Colin, I thought I'd get introduced like this. Today we have with us Bob Lenz. Bob is an international speaker. He's spoken in all 50 states, 26 countries. He's been to this creation several times. He runs his own festival in Wisconsin called Life Fest. And he's an author. <laughs> That's what I thought I would get. But this is what I get instead. Oh, from pastors. Oh, you're one of those guys. What do you mean? Oh, you're one of those grace boys. Oh, yeah. Oh, you probably don't even teach out of the Old Testament. 
You don't even, you probably don't even teach all of the law. You're probably into that easy believism. You're probably one of those guys that Bonhoeffer warned us about. Cheap grace. And I want to look at him and go, chill. <laughs> chill. I'm like, so I, I got to set the record straight. Grace, I want you to even repeat this if you can afterwards. So listen. Grace doesn't say it doesn't matter how you live. Okay? So say it. Grace doesn't say it doesn't matter how you live. Grace says no matter how good you live, it's not enough. Say that one more time. Grace says no matter how good you live, it's not enough. Let me explain it to you. Um, I took our five kids down to, um, is it? Florida, Disney World? Yeah. yeah. Disneyland? Disney no. World, Florida. I took them to Disneyland World. <laughs> and we're down in Florida and we have five kids. Now, the only reason I don't like um, amusement parks is the lines are so, and the ride is so, short. But Disneyland World, they work on it. They have like TVs and music and lines. But here's the beginning. I can't do I can't turn away from it. Here's the beginning of the line, and we are back on the hot asphalt, and it's 100 degrees. Like, you think it's hot now? It's only 76. It was 100 degrees above zero. I'm from Wisconsin. That doesn't happen. Right? We just, we build villages in the winter on the ice. So we are sitting with how many kids? Five. And we waited an hour to get to the beginning of the line. I am standing still. I am sweating. I look at my wife and I'm like, does this count as exercise? (laughs) (laughs) Obviously not. But we finally, finally, wait, how many kids? Five. How warm? For how long? And we finally get to the beginning of the line. And there it is, the dreaded measuring stick. Are you with me? See, if you're not tall enough, you can't go on the ride. So our oldest Amber, she made it. Danielle, no problem. David, who's now 6'6", no problem. Joyelle, my redhead, just made it this much. She was on her tiptoes, don't tell him. But then my son, Tim, dark black hair, big brown eyes. It was this much too short. And the guy looked at him and said, I'm sorry, son. You're going to have to get out of the line. And my son looked at me with those big, brown eyes. And he goes, Daddy? And then his lips started to quiver. (laughs) Big tears started coming down. And he goes, Daddy, please? So I hit the guy and we ran in. <laughs> now, obviously, we did. I wanted to. I wanted to so much, but this, how many have been on Space Mountain? It's, what is it? A roller coaster. <laughs> but it's a roller coaster inside in the dark. If you're not tall enough, you could fall out, hurt yourself, or die. Die. See, rules are good, law is good. So is it hard as hard as it was? 
I had to look at my son and say, I'm sorry, Tim. You and your mom are going to have to <laughs> My wife is here, so uh, you can verify that. <laughs> I can try it. Is this better? No. Can you hear me like this? Yes. yes. Give, give the sound guys a round of applause. Well, that is... All right, thanks, buddy. They're, they're the best. Um, but I had to ask him to leave. So I want to tell you this. The law is good. Amen. And rules are good. But what we have to find out when it comes to Christianity is this. What is the function of the law? What is the purpose of the law? Because that story is a real story. And as real as that story is, how many still believe the Bible is true? Amen. Woo. Come on. No matter what the media says, it's still God's word. Well, according to my story, true story, in the Bible, a true story, the only difference is this. In our story, there's only one that wasn't tall enough, one that wasn't, <laughs> sorry, Tim, good enough <laughs> to make it. But according to the Bible, Romans 3.1 says, Like sheep all have gone astray. There are none righteous, no, not one. No, not one. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so, you know what we should not have in the world today? Proud Christians. Amen. That's a, because to be a Christian, what do you have to do? Humble, Humble yourself. Say you're a sinner, deserving of death, separation from God, hell forever. Is anybody here else going because of any other reason? So to, to be a proud Christian, it's an oxymoron. It's like jumbo shrimp. <laughs> it's not supposed to be. But for Christians, when you're a proud, forget the oxy, we just look like morons. Yeah. Because we're proud and we're arrogant. And we think we're better. So here's what I'm saying. I want to promote grace because it's the only way for salvation. Amen. But that does not mean you get to throw out the Old Testament. It doesn't mean you get to throw out the law. You have to find the function of the law. It's like <clears throat> the standing on a scale help you lose weight. No. no. Not unless you stand there for a long time. <laughs> All right? Now, I had the old kind of scales. Anybody else my age were, they had a little lever in it, right? <laughs> when I stood on it, it spun. <laughs> right? <clears throat> or I get on the scale and it goes, get off! <laughs> or now, they're all digital. I get on, this is not a joke. I get on, it goes, error. <laughs> I'm like, no, that's really how much. <laughs> that's really how much. But the scale just tells you that where you're at, it doesn't help you lose weight. The law tells us that we don't measure up to God, that we're not good enough, that all of us still need him. So it's like a tutor. In school, if you're not good enough to pass, you had to get extra help. Is there anybody here good enough for the kingdom? No. Not on our own. No. We need a tutor, Galatians chapter five. Um, 
Chuck Swindoll said it's like a funnel that will lead us to where we're supposed to go. The law in the Bible always leads us where? To the Savior. The whole testament from creation, then the fall, and then the whole testament and the laws are saying you're not enough. We need a Messiah. We need a Savior. And it goes to the New Testament. So guess what the law is still supposed to do today? Bring you to Jesus. Don't throw it out. Throw the water out. <laughs> Don't throw it out. What we need is the law, but where is it supposed to bring us? To Christ. The Pharisees. The proud Christians in the Bible. But what did they study? The law. So now we almost say that they're bad. <clears throat> so now there's a whole generation saying, Don't make me feel guilty. But guess what? Guilt was never supposed to be an emotion. It's a state of being. Whether you, if you did it, you're guilty whether you feel it or not. So guess what? All of us said we had broken the law, right? Nobody here perfect? So guess what we should feel? Guilt. When you don't feel guilt, leprosy is when you lose your feeling. And the reason they lose parts of their body is because then they'll touch a hot something of fire and they can't feel it. The best thing to feel is guilt because God's law is still true. So don't say, don't judge me. Don't make me feel guilty. But let the law do what it's supposed to do. Bring me to Jesus. Go in the Bible. A woman caught in the act of adultery. It says in the very act. And they brought her to Jesus. Two points. How many people does it take to commit adultery? Two. Where was the man? Why just the woman? Guys, take a hard look. If you don't believe that there's sexism still going on today. They were both caught. Second point, and I'm sorry for the younger children, but they were caught in the act. That means unless they were in a public place like a park, somebody was peeping Tom. <laughs> they caught him in the act, they brought him to Jesus, and said what? They look at him and they say, hey Jesus, this woman is caught in the act of adultery, the very act. The law, the Old Testament, Moses said we should stone her. <clears throat> what do you say, Grace boy? Because if they say stone her, then all this new talk of love and grace was out the window. But if they say it doesn't matter and grace lets down the standard, then he's a false prophet. Then he's not the son of God. <laughs> then he's not the son of God. And so Jesus bends down and starts writing in the sand. Don't you wish you knew what he wrote? I do. Because then I'd sell more than three books. <laughs> I miss my mom so much. She passed away. And I don't miss her just because she would buy a lot of my books. Okay. But she did. She would buy like 50 and give them away as gifts. But I wish I knew what he wrote. I wonder if he wrote something like, Lust, envy, pride, 
anger, hatred, what is in yours and mine. Then he stood up and said, he who is without sin cast the first stone. And this woman is ready to get hit because she has seen the church judge and, and condemn. So she, she had seen people stoned because that's what they're supposed to do, to purify the community. So she's like this, waiting to get hit. And instead she hears thud. And a big rock hits the ground. <clears throat> and as that hit the ground, I think hope came alive in her heart. And I, oh. and then another, and another, from the oldest, wise, to the youngest. And then Jesus does what Jesus always does to a sinner like me and you. He picks her up, because shame has put her down. And I believe he wiped away her tears and said, where are your accusers? And she said, there are none, Lord. And Jesus said, go, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin as much as you want. <laughs> Is that what he said? He said, go and who? So everybody left except for who? Jesus, the woman and Jesus. Did Jesus have the right to condemn her? Yes. Yes. Would he have still done loving? I mean, that's not loud enough. Yes. yes. He's still holy and pure. He still would have been good. So the only one who had the right to judge her did not and said, you're free to go. Guess what? That's what God wants to do to you and I today. It is totally, totally free. If you excuse your sin, if you justify your sin, if you say, don't make me feel guilty, you can't be forgiven. If sin isn't that bad, grace isn't that good. So we haven't measured up. And there is a roller coaster called eternal life. And it's better than Space Mountain. And it doesn't just start when you die. It starts now. But grace didn't put the standard down. Grace put it up higher and said, now there's one ticket. There's one way. Under the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. There is no other way for salvation. We can understand. We need to work with all religions and understand and find understanding but never back down from the fact there is one way to salvation and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen. And we need to stand there and believe that. But here's where we're at. How many of us still believe that? In America, 64% of Americans still believe you can earn eternal life. Almost seven out of 10. It's 500 years since the Reformation. And yet six out of 10 people still think you can earn it. I wish you could. Um, our friends from Compassion are here. And I'm gonna share about them tonight. Your name here. Me? Yeah. Brielle. Bri that's beautiful. This is Rethany, wow. From the Dominican Republic, take a look. I wish, Brielle, I could say this. You sponsor one child, 
your chance to go to heaven, 50% better. <laughs> no, 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 shut up, listen. You sponsored two, you're in. You sponsored three, you can take Bluehead with you. <laughs> You sponsor four, you can leave somebody here you don't like. <laughs> you know why I wish that was true? Because then every child over there would be sponsored. Please, it's not a ploy, it's not a gimmick. These are people that need a free gift. Can you earn eternal life on your own, yes or no? Do many of you, when it rains out, feel that God doesn't love you? Do any yes. of you feel when things go bad in your life, God doesn't love you? Sometimes. I wish we could all say no, but how many actually have at times? Yes. Do you know what these poor kids feel? Maybe God doesn't love me. And I want to look at them and say, it's not your fault. It's not your parents' fault. Now, there is a, a poverty because I'm not working. That's not what we're talking about these kids. It's because where they were born. And they have an opportunity. Please, would you show them grace, the same grace that you've received? But let me end with this story. It was fourth grade. I had had a rough year. I went to a, a good school, and I don't want to talk down about anybody, but they had these things in their school called nuns. <laughs> and they taught me the law of right and wrong, <laughs> sometimes with a ruler, right? Yes, <clears throat> but I respect, they taught me about right and wrong. They taught me the law, and I was in trouble. I got in trouble with the neighborhood. I told my dad I didn't break that window. The baseball did. I didn't do it. And then mom had told dad how I called her names. And it was right before Christmas, Christmas Eve, and she said, my dad came to me and said, Bob, you're not going to get anything for Christmas. I said, come on, Mom, there's got to be something. I heard, Dad, there's got to be something. No. You've been in trouble at school. The nuns have called. The neighbors have called. The broken windows. Your mom's had it up to here. And you have to learn that you reap what you sow. Every choice has a consequence. The law is good. I said, come on, Dad, there's got to be something. He said, you don't deserve anything. And I went to bed and really bummed out because I'm like, my dad's an honest man. And it's right, I don't deserve anything. <laughs> and he doesn't even know half the things I did. <clears throat> but the next morning, being a kid, like my own kid, so I couldn't get up in, for time for school, Christmas morning, they're like, is it time yet? I'm like, it is 4.30 in the morning. <laughs> Go back to bed. But I was the first one up. And I walked into the living room, hoping for one little gift. But there wasn't. It was a brand new bike. And it was for me. You know, I could tell. Had my name on it. Bob. I read it backwards just to be sure. Bob. Bob. And I went to my, and it wasn't an ordinary bike. Older people, you remember this. It was a custom deluxe bike from its day. It had a banana seat. And a sissy bar. And a handlebar that came out with floofies. 
and it was gold. And I went to my dad, almost arrogant, and I said, hey, Dad, I thought I didn't deserve anything. And he looked at me and said, you don't. And you did. But I still love you. And it's the first time I've tasted grace, unmerited, undeserved favor. God is in love with you. You can reject it or you can receive it. Blue. I really like your hair. What's your name? Tara. Tara, that one's for you. Every one of you is like that. Be yourself. My daughter Amber was a great student in high school. Student council president, prom queen, salutatorian. She went to college. She's got a scholarship. Now she was average. Now she struggled with her identity. And I said, just be you. I said, Amber, you are so gifted. And I looked, I said, think of the platypus. <laughs> no, you got everything. The platypus, platypus, but just be you. You don't have to be the best. Just trust God. And she goes, are you doing that because I'm going to Bethel University? But be you. I'm like, no, I'm not that smart. I'm like, just be who God has made you to be. So my son, who was a youth pastor, had a kid in his youth group to design this. See the platypus? And it says, just be you. So, you're on the red. Here is what I'm asking today, let's close in prayer, is this. No matter where you are, be you. But you can't be the you you're meant to be if you defend and fight to justify your sin. Admit your sin, measuring stick, we don't measure up. But guess what? God has paid the price. I'm asking you, receive this grace then consider going and sponsoring a child and share that grace with somebody else. Let's pray. God, you're amazing. Lord, right now there's some kids that are going to go and be baptized. And I know eight from one church alone. And may they know that this is a gift. Forgive us for thinking we're better than others, the non-Christian, the Muslim, the Buddhist, whoever it may be, the atheist. Help us see that none of us measure up, but that you measure up on the cross. And now all of us can be who we're made to be by trusting in you and trusting in grace. Forgive us for legalism and forgive us for lawlessness. Help us take the law and let us lead it to the cross. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen. We'll see you at Main State tonight. You guys are awesome. Thanks.